0: Awesome, this morning we have our lead pastor, Wayne Hollett, sharing with us. So I've got some readings from Genesis. In the beginning, God created everything, the heavens above and the earth below. Here's what happened. At first, the earth lacked shape and was totally empty, and a dark fog draped over the deep, while God's spirit wind hovered over the surface of the empty waters. Then there was the voice of God. Jumping forward a little bit, God saw that his new creation was beautiful and good, and God paused. Now, let us conceive a new creation, humanity, made in our image, fashioned according to our likeness, and let us grant them authority over all the earth, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the domesticated animals and the small creeping creatures on the earth. So God did just that. He created humanity in his image, created them male and female. Then God blessed them and gave them this directive. Be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth. I make you trustees of my estate, so care for my creation. Then God surveyed everything he had made, savoring its beauty and appreciating its goodness. Evening gave way to morning. And that was day six. Jumping forward to Genesis 3. Of all the wild creatures the eternal God had created, the serpent was the craftiest. The serpent said to the woman, Is it true that God has forbidden you to eat fruits from the tree of the garden? No, serpent. God said we are free to eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. We are granted access to any variety and all amounts of fruit with one exception. The fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. God instructed us not to eat or touch the fruit of that tree or we would die. Die? You'll not die. God is playing games with you. The truth is that God knows the day you eat the fruit from the tree, you will awaken something powerful in you and become like him, possessing knowledge of both good and evil. The woman approached the tree. She eyed its fruit and coveted its mouth-watering, wisdom-granting beauty. She plucked a fruit from the tree and ate. She then offered the fruit to her husband, who was close by, and he ate as well. Suddenly, their eyes were open, to a reality previously unknown. For the first time, they sensed their vulnerability and rushed to hide their naked bodies, stitching fig leaves into crude loincloths. Then they heard the sound of the eternal God walking in the cool, misting shadows of the garden. The man and his wife took cover among the trees and hid from the eternal God. Switching now to Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Thanks, Wayne.
1: Thank you, Daniel. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. This is the, now the third Sunday of the year. How's it going for you? Yeah, you loving it? Yeah. All right. Let's see if I can change that. <laughs> One month ago, on Sunday, December the 18th, those of you that are here were offered an assignment. It's time to turn in your work. How'd you go? Yeah? Okay, let's have a show of hands. How many of you are yet to complete your assignment to bless someone else? Okay, that's a few of you. How many of you know what you're going to do, but you haven't actually done it yet? And how many of you forgot? Right, well, here's your New Year's wake-up call, everybody. Please, uh, please go forth and bless you were blessed, you are entrusted uh, to be a blessing, you were given a gift to steward and that's what's uh, so important that we do. Um, we're talking this morning about God's plan, God's plan on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it was several years ago, the, the executive leadership team, uh, which we call ELT for short now that group comprises two groups of people it comprises our overseers and it comprises our board members our board and our overseers collectively form the executive leadership team and it was a couple several years ago that we were reviewing our vision and mission statements uh, as you do from as, as you do regularly really just to keep keep them in sync and make sure are we on track and are they still are they saying what we want them to say. Now as we went through that process we discerned that the Holy Spirit was actually saying that we needed to change our starting point and instead of starting with a vision statement uh, which we had learnt from many leadership books and many uh, churches and We're not commenting on what other churches do. We're simply saying what we do. We actually came to the conclusion that we needed to change our starting point. Instead of thinking, what's our vision or what do we think the vision that God has given us for New Life Church? What sort of church do you want us to be in this region? We thought we we felt like we needed to actually step back and start with what God's already said he will do. And when we looked at the scriptures, we saw that God actually has an eternal plan. And so we said, well, why don't we start with what God's eternal plan is so that we make sure that we stay in sync with that plan and we don't sort of disappear into some kind of a thing that we think's a good idea, but it's not actually connected with what God said he's already doing. And we're saying, God, bless us, bless us, bless us. And he's saying, I will, if you align yourself with me, I'm going here, you're going there and you'll want me to bless you. I'm not going there. I'm going here. Join yourself to me. Then you get my blessing. It's a pretty simple equation really, isn't it? When we join ourselves to what God's already doing, we experience his blessing. So rather than us jumping up and down and saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's first of all, let's, let's me align me with you, with what you're doing. And, and that's what we had read to us from Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. It's very clear. Open your Bibles if you don't have them open to Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. A couple of great verses to highlight, to underline, to put a big ring or circle around. This is God's plan. Paul says it this way. Now, this is not the only place where this is summarized, but it is a great place for us to start. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. So in other words, everything that Messiah is doing, everything that Christ, remember Christ is just the Greek form of Messiah. Same word. It's not Jesus' last name. Many of you know that because I say it consistently. What the Messiah, the plan is to fulfill God's own plan. And this is the plan. Here we go. This This is the crunch point. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of his Messiah, under the authority of Christ. He's going to bring everything in heaven and on earth under the authority of Christ. So that's what God's plan is. That's what he said. This is what I'm going to do. Everything in history, everything in your life, everything in humanity, everything around the world is going to climax with it all coming under the authority of Christ. And we got a little, we got a little glimpse of that this morning from Revelation 5 with with the opening phrases. And if you weren't here for the opening uh exhortation that Julie gave before she began to lead us in singing worship, the worship began with the exhortation. When you go home, go to the YouTube channel and watch it because you will see that even though um, we didn't plan this, God planned this and her exhortation at the beginning perfectly lines up with this reality of understanding God's plan on earth as it is in heaven so as an executive leadership team after examining the scriptures and and we we restated our key statements and they're up on the screen behind me we said the first thing we want to acknowledge is God's got a plan and we want to be on board with God's plan which is he's going to bring everything in heaven and earth under the leadership of his son that's God's plan on earth as it is in heaven you hear echoes of that in the prayer of Jesus we call that the Lord's prayer Matthew 6 we hear this echoed all throughout the scriptures I'll unpack a little more as we go along and so then we said well that's God's plan so what's the vision that we need to have as as a people what do we need to be what kind of people do we need to be to make sure we're connected and in sync with God's plan and it's basically we need to be all in people we need to be great commandment people. We need to be loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength so that we can then love our neighbours as ourselves in the way that Jesus said, the great commandments. And we put it, we use this phrase. We said, we are, our vision is to be a people who have an undeniable passion for God and a compassion that reveals itself in compassion for people. And, and it's so important that we keep those in that order. If you try to run around and have compassion on people and you get disconnected from the anchor of the great, the first commandment, which is to love God with a whole heart, you quickly run out of stuff to give away to people. You find yourself frustrated and burnt out, discouraged and disappointed. And if that's where you're at today, I want to just encourage you, perhaps you've lost what jesus said to the church in revelation you've lost your first love you've you've stopped actually giving me your love because it's when we give him love our whole heart soul and mind and strength learning to love him like that what we find is that god pours his love into us so that it can go through us it's a beautiful picture it's a beautiful mystery It's we come and present ourselves as his priests and we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And in that then he replenishes the love in our own hearts so that we have love to give away. Husbands have love to give their wives. Wives have love to give their husbands. Parents have love to give their children. Children have love to give their parents. Students have love to give their teachers. Teachers have loved to give their students. And so it goes in a beautiful it's like a a waterfall. We go and drink, we go and stand under the waterfall of his presence and so that we can go from the waterfall and distribute the water of life that he's poured into us. So that's God's plan. God's moving everything forward in his plan to achieve this. Everything exists for this purpose. And so, New Life Church, we exist to partner with God's plan. There isn't any other plan that we want to be involved with. Like this is an eternal plan; it's going to happen. So I don't want to be doing anything other than that plan. Now we read from the beginning of the Bible today, the book from had a reading from the book of Genesis, and what we see is here's a picture of what that looks like. Genesis 1 and 2. When God creates, and he creates everything, and it's good. Um, Most English translations use the word good. Um, A better word would be functional or healthy or thriving. So when God looks at everything he's made, it's healthy, it's functioning. As he designed it, it's thriving, right? Right? And there's two people in the garden, a man and a woman, that he's created, and they have this conversation with him, and it's heaven and earth are joined together, and God comes from heaven every day into the garden to chat with Adam and Eve. It's beautiful, isn't it? This is beautiful. It's at peace. And they got very simple instructions and they can, they're living in this place of receiving from God and giving, to, to God, giving back to God in the way they look after his creation, in the way they look after one another and the way they look after his creation. But something goes horribly wrong in chapter 3. We're only two chapters in, two chapters into the whole book, the whole library and something's gone horribly wrong. God's good creation is quickly devastated as people start blaming each other, deceiving and killing each other. That's where it goes. It goes bang. You read it through and it quickly goes pear-shaped. Because there is a snake on the loose in the garden. And they were told, watch out for the snake. Keep the snake out of the garden. Now, there's a whole lot of questions about where the snake came from and all those kind of things. And God created the snake. We're told that in chapter 3. And there's, a, there's part of this process of where, where God's designed us so that we have to be watching. We have to be on guard. Because there's a snake loose in the world. And the problem is that everyone who ever has lived or will lived, except Jesus has snake-like proclivities. Now, that's a new word for some of you, and I believe it was introduced at New Life Youth Camp. So I thought I'd use it this morning so that all the campers would remember. Oh, yes, proclivities. I have Proclivities. And if the adults, and you can tell your parents when you go home if they don't know what that word means. And we've all got this tendency to obey the snake. It's a bizarre thing. The God who created us, gave us life, gave us a beautiful creation, puts us in relationship with himself, invites us to worship him and to give away the good things that he gives us. And we've got inbuilt into us, well, it's not inbuilt, but it's what we've inherited from our ancestors, which is part of the reason we're doing Discipleship Healing and Deliverance coming up in May, is to deal with things like this. But we've got this default tendency. We tend to give our allegiance to the snake rather than God. None of us are immune from this. The Bible makes it very clear. Every single person in the world, Every single person that exists today has this. And when you look at the Bible, you, kind of, you see a couple of major themes through the Bible. And we see God creates order. God steps into chaos. He initiates that. And he creates order, which enables people and creation to thrive. That's what God does in Genesis. He does that repeatedly through the history of Israel. They keep disobeying and wandering away. We're no different. Jesus steps in. We see in Jesus' life, we see God's restoration. God's bringing order into the chaos around what's going on. Everywhere that God goes, he establishes, he establishes good things. He, cre- he establishes functionality. He establishes order. But, we've, but the competing thing is disorder or chaos. And everywhere the snake goes, the snake creates chaos, disorder, dysfunction. So anything in your life and my life that has chaos as part of it, disorder as part of it, is snake orientated, not God orientated. Because the snake seduces us with what sounds like freedom just as she just as the snake did to Eve and Adam who was with her by the way so let's not be doing any blaming gender thing going on here that doesn't, there's no leg to stand on the snake comes and offers us something that kind of sounds okay it sounds like it's an offer of even greater freedom Greater almost God-likeness. But it leads to death. But God comes. And through his son. He provides genuine freedom. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God keeps coming. And keeps inviting people. To live near him. And to thrive by being obedient to him. So. Garden of Eden, that's the, that was the deal. Humanity, God, living together, heaven and earth are joined together. Genesis 1 and 2. Then you get Genesis 3. We call it the Great Fall. You could call it the Great Schism, the Great Divide. It doesn't matter. Right? And now you've got this separation. Of heaven and earth you've got people put out of the garden out of God's presence but longing to go back into God's presence and then the rest of the story all the way through the scriptures is about God's initiative to redo things to restore people so that they can have access back into his presence and live near him and thrive that's what's going on through the story of Israel that's what's going on through the story in the life of Jesus that's what's going on in our lives as we bring ourselves into submission to Jesus God wants us to live near him, to thrive in his presence by obeying him. He wants us to show how wonderful life is under the authority of Jesus. It's a key thing. It's under the authority of Jesus. What's the plan? God's plan is to bring everything in heaven and earth under the authority of Jesus. Because in that, it's great success. It's great thriving. It's true for individuals. It's true for families. It's true for tribes. It's true for businesses and congregations and nations. God has this eternal plan that he's working out. And I remind you again from Ephesians 1. This is one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, Ephesians 1. And if, if it's not one of yours, I encourage you to uh, consider looking at it. Just read it. Let it marinate yourself in Ephesians 1. Listen to part of what it says. It gave God great pleasure to love, choose and adopt you into his own family so that you would be near him and thrive. Now that's my paraphrase of it. Let me say it again. It gave God great pleasure to love, choose and adopt you into his own family so that you would be near him and thrive. God wants you to show others through your life, a glimpse of what life will be like when his plan is complete and he's brought everything under the authority of Christ. So here's some things we can think about. First of all, I want to deal with this individually, then I'm going to come back and wrap up with a collective thing. So, okay, God wants me as an individual to walk around because I'm in relationship to Christ, because I'm under the authority of Christ, right? Because I am a... Right? I am a my body is a temple where the holy spirit lives right in the bible what when a simple way to think about temple is where heaven and earth connect tabernacle in the wilderness was the place god dwelt heaven and earth were united temple in jerusalem heaven and earth in the holy of holies that was the place So now, in Christ, there's this incredible thing where there isn't just one temple. There is one temple, but there's multiple temples. And I'm looking at a room full of them. A place where there's this connection where heaven and earth are connected. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're submitted to Christ. The Spirit of the Lord lives in you. You are the temple. You are to, you, we need to learn to think as temples. <laughs> it's a kind of a weird way to say it, isn't it? Think as a temple. It's like, well, temple is a building and it doesn't have a brain. No, but you're a temple where God lives in you. You're a place heaven and earth are joined. You walk around on the earth. I walk around on the earth as this little place where heaven and earth are united. Oh, we want more of that. That's why we sing the songs that we sing and we dance and we worship because we want to be walking in the fullness of this. We want our children who are in Christ to grow up into the fullness of this and our grandchildren to grow up in the fullness of this, to live as this way, so that individually and collectively we reveal something of the glory of heaven and earth united. Okay, now we're a long way short of this, everybody. Like, don't, don't be sitting there beating you up and going, oh, I'm a complete failure at this. Like, if you're a complete failure at this, congratulations, you're in the right place, because it's a place of humility and a place to say, okay, Lord, I feel like I'm a long way from that. Um, help me. That's all you do. Just go, God, help me. So, think about this. Uh, I, I think I've said that phrase a couple of times. Think about this. So, just think about this. Okay. Your appearance, your physical appearance, what you wear, how you look and carry yourself, and how you treat your body should be a picture of heaven and earth under the authority of Christ. What does that look like? Your behaviour should be a picture of heaven and earth united under the authority of Christ. So now, when you're on your best behaviour, of course, that's heaven on earth. But what about when you don't get your own way? What about when you don't get something you want badly, desperately? Or what about when you get something bad that you don't think you should have got? Heaven on earth, united, right? Okay, now. When you worship and when you pray, do you do that as if God himself is in the room? Do you pray like he's right there? Do you sing like he's right here or at home or in the car? He's sitting in the passenger seat or the back seat, wherever he's sitting in your car, don't know. But it's this thing of like, do we just sing the song? Do we just pray the prayer? Or do we, are we actually engaging with him? What about relationships? Your relationships at home, at work, in the church, in your school classroom, everywhere, are all about, okay, I'm learning to, how to relate to people that I can see with a love that reveals the God who I cannot see. Now, I'm quoting from 1 John there because it says, how can I say I love God who I can't see if I'm failing to love the people I can see? So this question is all about that thing. Am I learning to relate to people as as I relate in heaven? Now, there's a lot that's going on here. Because you have to go, well, hang on, when Jesus comes back and when, when heaven and earth are reunited under his leadership, everything's going to be transformed, it'll be a heck of a lot easier to love people. Well, maybe. But maybe we'll carry forward into eternity the love that we've got now and then we'll have to catch up. <laughs> Just saying, there's a greater love that we can have. There's a greater way to relate to people on earth. So... Here's another thing, heaven and earth united, okay, so does your mood hold your family ransom or the people you live with who perhaps aren't your family or your workmates? Does your mood hold them, do you hold people ransom to your mood? And you, you need to be going, is that heaven and earth under the authority of Christ, God's plan? Is that God's plan, that your mood hold people captive, prisoner? Demand a ransom. They pay you a ransom. Ah, oh, that's this is hard work, isn't it? Wow. Hmm. We could say a lot of things there. I'll keep going. Uh, we could talk about whether we treat people with honor. Our parents, our teachers, our workmates. Do we treat them with honor? What about what about high-profile people who are? Behaving very dishonourably. Do we pray for them? Do we ask God to reveal Himself to them? Here's a, here's a really good one. Do your social media posts reveal heaven and earth united under the authority of Christ? That's much more for the younger generation, but not exclusively. Do your comments on social media, whether you post them or you comment on other people's posts, do they they reveal heaven on earth? What about your work? Does your work reveal heaven on earth? Are you always doing your best, whether it's on the job or in the classroom? Everything in our lives needs to come under the authority of Christ. That's God's plan. He's going to fulfill that on the macro level. He's going to bring... And you, you, I mean, we can look at it on a global level and think how on earth is all these things going to happen? And we go, I don't know, but somehow God's going to do it and he's going to do it according to his will and he's going to bring it about without violating anybody's free will, but he's going to, he's going to accomplish it. He's going to release his judgments upon the earth, his justice upon the earth. Some people don't like the word judgments or don't like judgments, don't like God as a judge Oh, it's terrible. We just think justice. It's the same thing just a different way of saying it everyone wants justice I want justice good yeah we've got one sitting in the crowd today it's great to have him so we want everything in our life under the authority of Christ Um, here's one I'm still working on my driving (laughs) perhaps you're working on that one too Uh, your food intake alcohol, illicit drugs, money, all of these things, I want to bring them under the authority of Christ. And, of course, we want to be warring against the snake-like tendencies, proclivities, the snake-like proclivities in our our family line. If you look at your family line, look at your family. Not right now, because some of them are in the room, but just think about your family, right? Right? Think about what are the generational patterns or the generational proclivities that you can see like in grandma, grandpa, mum and dad, me, my brother, my sister, right? What are the things? What are the patterns of pride? Do we see pride as a generational thing? Do we see rebellion, stubbornness, unforgiveness? Do we see indifference? Do we see greed? What's in our generational line? It's like and all these things to say, God, we need transformation. That's the bottom line. We need transformation. And the good thing is that God's at work amongst us, in us and through us. He's gonna do this and we just gotta keep saying yes to him. So please don't hear this as a beat yourself, go out and self flagellate. Do you know what self flagellate means? Put your hand up if you don't know what self flagellate means. It means whip yourself. Right? Something that people have done in years past. They walked around with whips and they would just, you know, remind themselves how sinful they were by whipping themselves. It's called flagellation. They would do it bare-shot, bare-backed, and all that kind of stuff. So don't beat, I'm saying, don't beat yourself up because this is about God as initiator. Remember Ephesians 1:3? It gave God great pleasure to love, choose, and adopt you into his own family so that you would be near him and thrive. Do not rob God of the pleasure. He took pleasure in you. You might want to stand in front of the mirror today when you go home and read Ephesians 1, 3 to 10 out loud to yourself, making eye contact somehow in the mirror. But speaking that word, that word of truth, this is God's word, the truth about God. I feel like I'm really laboring that this morning. We need to get it. Ultimately, God's plan on earth as it is in heaven will see all men and women will live together and thrive. Men and women will live together and both will thrive. There'll be no lying, deceiving, stealing, scams. There'll be no violence, rape, murder, incest, no racism, pornography, misogyny or misandry. For those who are not sure what those words are, misogyny is contempt or hatred for women, which can be in women and in men. Misandry is hatred and contempt of men, which can also be in men and in women. We're going to touch on that as we do the discipleship, healing and deliverance. We're going to deal with it, not touch on it. So now here I, I'm going to land here. So Julie and the team can get ready to come out this week if you've been in a hole in the ground or living under a rock you'll have no grid for what I'm about to say but if you at all have seen any kind of media this week you will know that a book was released this week by a prince who's tracking with me heard a bit about this book seen a bit The title of the book is Spare, the Spare to the Throne. Now I want to say this, when you read Ephesians 1 and other places in the scripture, I want to say it like this, I want to confront this, please listen really carefully to what I'm about to say, in God's family there are no spares, there's only heirs, if you're in Christ you're an heir don't forget your identity that book is written by a man who's forgotten his identity he's actually forgotten who he is he is a prince he belongs to the royal family he's forgotten that he's forgotten all the blessings that have been his all his life so when Julie began this morning with reminding us of who we are she didn't know that I had this as my conclusion in God's family, there's no spares, there's only heirs. If you're in Christ, you're an heir. You're an heir to the Son of God, the one who loved you, chose you, adopted you into his family, and he did it with great pleasure. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, help us to live into this re- in this reality. We thank you for your great plan, God to bring everything in heaven and on earth under the authority of Christ and there's that ultimate time that we speak about that is yet to be where that will happen when this plan, this eternal plan you didn't come up with this plan after Genesis 3 it was your eternal plan that you would do this God and so we praise you God, we praise you for your wisdom, for your foresight, for what you did. And the mystery of this, that the scriptures unfold that even before you laid the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world. Holy Spirit, bring us into the mystery and the marvel and the wonder of that reality. Mm. Just as you're praying, everybody, with your eyes closed, please close your eyes and bow your head. And just felt like that word, that in God's family there are no spares, there are just heirs, there are only heirs. Will you please speak that out to the Lord? Just if you feel like a spare, would you say, God? God, bring me into the reality of my identity in Christ as an heir. Loved, chosen, adopted, and that that gave you great pleasure. Speak that out to the Lord right where you are. And tell the Lord, I give up. I give up. I give up my pride of refusing to believe this. I give up my pride of thinking I need to earn this. I repent of that, God. Speak that out to Him. Say, so I repent of this. Of living as that I'm less than what you've said about me. From this day forth, God, let me live as an heir. Go deep, Holy Spirit. Do that deep work. Expose the roots of lies and pull those lies out of the spirits of people in this room this morning your grace breaks in and our response captured by Paul's words so I praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on me because I belong to his dear son God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased my freedom with the blood of his son and forgave my sins. God has showered his kindness on me, along with all wisdom and understanding. Oh Lord, God, let us live in this place. Let's be a people, collectively, who show what it is. The manifold wisdom of God, of people living under the, together under the authority of Christ so that we will reveal his beauty Lord you have to do it first of all in us individually and in our households And some of us feel pretty discouraged about our households they seem so far from that reality but we put our trust in you again God say Lord you do this you do it God you reveal yourself to my wife, to my husband, to my children, you do what because there's only you who can do this. Open their eyes and give to them revelation of who you are, God. And bring us into a unity as a household. The people living under the authority of Christ as a picture now of what a little snap glimpse of what life will be like. family thriving individuals thriving because we're close to you because you've brought us into your presence God